Accelerating your fandom, this is Flash TV Talk. Welcome to Flash TV Talk, the fan podcast dedicated to news, reviews, and more for the hit CW show, The Flash. I'm Bo. And I'm Bell. Bell, man, how you doing tonight? I'm terrified. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. Oh, I'm creeped out, man. Ugh. Oh man, yeah, great episode. Uh, really excited to talk about it. Having a good night. Got a hockey game tonight too, so that's going to be fun. Oh, those are those are always fun. Yeah, man. Just when you thought Halloween was over, it's back. Just kind of like me being sick again because I feel like it was <laughs> not but like two episodes ago, or or maybe even less than that, when my voice was all messed up because I was under the weather. Uh, it came back just like Halloween, and so I'm going to sound a little off this episode for those that have never listened to Flash TV talk. I don't normally sound like this. This is what I sound like with. Uh, with a, a bit of a, a cold. So I apologize for that. Don't worry. We'll cut all the coughs and everything else out of the final product. So uh, that's not going to be something you're going to have to deal with or anything like that. Shouts out, by the way, to Mike, our editor, who makes us sound good on a weekly basis. Uh, Bell, we've got a lot of show to talk about tonight. But before we can do that, we need to pay homage to somebody with uh, without whom we would not be here. And I think that's a fair statement. Okay. Uh, of course, I'm talking about you know the 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 industry, the fandom, the the community of geeks out there, uh, and not just geeks. I mean, just all of us, honestly. Anybody who has any any kind of personal investment in entertainment, uh, emotional investment in entertainment, the modern era of entertainment, if you will, was defined by one man. One man that inspired us to imagine, to dream big to see our heroes, but not just to see our heroes, but to see ourselves as our heroes. And of course, I'm talking about Stan the Man Lee, uh, who passed away not but a few days ago as we record this podcast. Um, Bell, you know, I, I remember our, our earliest days of friendship was connecting over over uh, car, uh, comics. And, and I remember actually you you came to me and you said, what, what comic book character do you want me to draw? I'll draw you any comic book character. And I, I think I said I wanted the black-suited Spider-Man. And so you drew me this awesome, awesome drawing of, uh, of Spidey in his black, black suit. You remember that? Uh, <laughs> I'm ashamed to say I don't. I know I remember. Was this, was this, was this at, uh, at summer camp? No, this was in junior high. This is junior high. Yeah, okay. I rem- and I remember that because I remember like, and all of a sudden I was like, oh man, somebody else who's like into comics and everything. That's, that's really cool. But Spider-Man, man, had a huge impact on my life. I mean, he was, he was my hero growing up, uh, you know, and, and, you know, I remember speaking of summer camp, just being in uh, my bunk bed in summer camp and my grandmother would send me comics and they were Spider-Man comics. And in the back of the comic book issue was... Uh, with Stan the Man Lee himself, he he always had these little cameos. He was doing y'all don't, don't realize people who are just into the movies these days. Stan Lee was doing cameos way before he started popping up on the big screen. He was doing cameos in his own comics, and, and he <laughs> would true. pop in and you know like as like Peter Parker's walking away, like this random guy would turn to the side and it's Stan Lee. And he's like, oh, what what's going on, True Believer? How is he going to handle this, Excelsior? Like you know he was he was talking to me and. And it was, um, you know, we all felt very connected to, to Stan Lee and, and his loss, uh, you know, it's something that obviously he um, uh, has, has been struggling with some health issues over the last several months and, and even years. And so I think it's something that we all knew was coming eventually. But but there was also just an eternal aspect to the man that you almost kind of felt like he, he could and should live forever. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I I felt the same way because you know it's uh, you look at some other celebrities that uh, that that have gotten up there that have passed recently and and you know a lot of them looked kind of you know older they looked like you know it was about that time and I just never really felt that way with Stan uh, Stan's always kind of 
had that sort of energetic feel about him. You know, uh, he's always been, uh, just a, a force and a presence and he, he never felt or looked in my eyes to be, you know, weakened or, or, or frailed at all by age. And, uh, it's just, yeah, it was a big shock to me. And, and, uh, I just didn't see it coming. I, I thought that he was going to outlive all of us. And <laughs> because, you know, he, it's his comics and his work has been such a influence in my life that I didn't think that that would ever be there. There'd never be a day where I'd live where I wouldn't, he wouldn't be there. Right. You know, it's just, yeah. it just, it just felt, it was, it was weird. It's one of those things. Like, I, I guess it's, uh, you know, it's, it's like your parents, right? Your parents are always there and, uh, you know, people get old and people die and, and, but you just don't, you don't feel like your parents are ever going to die. Right. I mean, that, that's, that's the reality is he was kind of, he was uncle Stan, you know, he was, he was just kind of part of the family from that standpoint. But I mean, I, I and I do, I do mean this sincerely. I, I don't know that this podcast, I don't know that, that, you know, the, honestly, I don't even know that the television series that we enjoy today would exist in the form that it does without the works of Stan Lee. Uh, the, yeah. the entire industry, the face of the industry, the reason why why superheroes are in kind of this uh, supremacy supremacy in the in the uh, in media and in kind of the you know uh, pr- primary culture. I mean, it's it's because of the characters he created, and obviously the geniuses that have taken those concepts and ran with them and done amazing things. You know, probably far exceeding his own imagination, but they were all inspired by his works and uh, and the way that he kind of drove an industry. So, uh, here's to you, Stan. We we want to you know we realize we're a DC podcast, but but I mean you know you you <laughs> you cannot not acknowledge the impact that uh, his life and his work has, has had on. Um, just the industry, us as individuals, and uh, and yes, even the show that we will be talking about tonight, because there was a great Marvel reference uh, to a Stan Lee character in this episode. <laughs> That's true. Bell, you ready to jump into it? Yeah, let's do it. Let's jump into The Rundown. The Rundown. Episode 5 of Season 5, All Dolled Up, directed by Philip Chipper, and story by Thomas Pound and Sterling Gates. Bell, what happened this episode? Well, two weeks later, Barry and Nora go to stop two criminals on motorcycles, with Iris getting frustrated when Nora cuts off her comms. Nora reveals that in the future, Iris is always nagging her and never allows her to ask questions about her past. Nora goes to spend some time with Cecile, finding out more about Iris from her. A new meta, later called Ragdoll, attacks an architect downtown and destroys his office, but the Flash is able to save him. Iris and Barry try to investigate the new meta, but Barry gets captured by Ragdoll and is held hostage on a rooftop with power dampening cuffs. Ralph and Iris go to save Barry, with Iris jumping off the building herself to remove Barry's cuffs, allowing Barry to save them. Ralph then swallows Ragdoll whole and jumps off the building before becoming an airbag to land safely. Iris then tells Nora nothing is off limits with her, and the two start to grow closer. Meanwhile, Cisco and Caitlin investigate Caitlin's father and track him to a university office. And finally, Cisco figures out how to commandeer DeVoe's satellites to try and find Caitlin's father's hideout. Dun dun dun! It's kind of a dun dun dun. I mean, we all know that's heading to for disaster, right? I mean, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's that's not that's not going to end well. Uh, well, I don't know. Maybe it will. We, we still don't. I mean, I'm kind of up in the air about whether or not he's a bad guy or a good guy. You know, what's going to go on with that? It's 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 interesting. We'll definitely be talking about that tonight, man. I, look, we we got to start things off by giving major props, major props to uh troy james aka twisty troy who brought to life ragdoll this episode oh my gosh 
amazing. Uh, like the, the the first second I saw him moving, I was like, ah, Twisted Troy. <laughs> it's I mean, like like just you know with with you know like it's like man, respect your craft because honestly, you creeped me out in, in yeah, an amazing yeah. way. You know, the mask in particular adds a large uh, factor into it, and of course, the way that everything was shot. This was a Halloween episode two weeks late. It, it really was. It really was. I mean, like just. Troy's mannerisms and everything he's he's probably the best contortionist that I've ever seen the way he can move so fluidly like just completely out of proportion and like weird and and, and yeah and just that's just so just eerie in and of itself and of course you know with the mask and everything yeah it, definitely a Halloween episode and uh, I'm kind of shocked that they didn't run this during Halloween well I, I got the int- I mean you know how these things work I, I, I have a feeling that this was intended to be the Halloween episode but then once they finally got the release schedule back it it just didn't work out that way so you know I mean it is what it is but one way or the other I mean just incredible and it's actually really nice because we we haven't really had a spooky villain I mean you could argue that zoom and and I guess ultimately the black flash, are kind of those you know spooky esque villains, but they were never really played up to that extent. Even the Black Flash, he, he's more. I mean, he's he's terrifying, but not in a creepy kind of way. You know what I mean? Yeah. There. So it's in my mind, it's it's like the difference between a slasher film and something like Hereditary, mm. right? Like like Jason Voorhees or Freddy Krueger. They're scary monsters but hereditary is one of those that just makes your skin crawl and and just like like the exorcist you know like like that kind of level of scary versus you know slashy scary versus like truly just unnerving and unsettling scary you know yeah yeah well you know he definitely brought a lot to uh to that performance and then also i mean just the the villain as a whole you know so you know i think about the rogues that we've seen thus far and you know there's already kind of a lot of speculation as to what kind of rogues we'll be seeing here in the very near future i th- I think we can go ahead and talk about this i, I know it it, uh, it it doesn't qualify as a spoiler because it was technically supposed to be part of the episode but was cut out however I think it can be considered canon because it's been officially shared by all the the Flash uh, social media accounts and that sort of thing. So I, 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 I'm going to go ahead and talk about this. I don't think it's considered a spoiler. Uh, there was a scene in this episode in which Ragdoll actually runs into Weather Wizard. And they actually have this exchange with this notion that something's coming, that in fact, Weather Wizards getting a new rogues team together, a new team of rogues together. So from that standpoint, I think we will definitely be seeing Ragdoll here uh, in the very near future. And I'm kind of curious as to how he's going to play into that mold, especially if you're dealing with a a literal powerhouse of of Weather Wizard. You know what I mean? Like bringing in that creep factor with the power factor could be kind of interesting. Oh, for sure. And it would be it would be an absolute shame to waste uh, you know, <laughs> Troy James's talent uh, at playing this character, right? Like it, it, it was such a such a memorable villain this week. Just, just, uh, yeah. And it would be wonderful to see that again in some sort of rogues context. I yeah. think that would be absolutely awesome. He grew up in. Uh, all right, so did he, the, the mansion that they had the party in was that his his house, like his mom's house? Because I'm s- gonna assume so. I mean, that they, you know, they, they were like old money kind of people, so they probably have had that for a bit. Well, but so here's my thing. That's actually that's actually the Queen Mansion. <laughs> no, Bo, you got to understand. Every single time you see a mansion in any of these CW Arrowverse shows, it's always the Queen Mansion. <laughs> no, I, but I get it. It's also the Xavier Institute for Gifted Youngsters, and it's also the Luther Mansion from Smallville. Like, I get that 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 whoever owns that place. Like, I don't know if they, they knew that was going to be quite the investment, you know what I mean, <laughs> to be able to get 
that kind of constant uh, TV uh, TV or maybe the network actually owns that building. I was about to say, I was about to say, it's probably like if they're having to go and, you know, rent this location from the property owners every single time they have to film, they would have been better off buying it, you know, years ago, which which maybe they have. That's that would be my guess. <laughs> Interesting. Well, in my head, I'm I'm headcanoning to this to be either they rented out Queen uh, mansion for the event or she bought it because I don't think Oliver's living there right now. So nah, nah, he in jail. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so from that standpoint, I, I'm going to go ahead and, and ret, you know, headcanon this to be, uh, to be actually Queen Mansion. That's, that's how it's all going to play out in my mind. The other thing too, is the exterior of the building. And I, I did not get a chance to, to research this, but the exterior of the building actually did not look like the Queen Mansion. It actually looked like the mansion from, uh, Westworld season two. Uh, I could be wrong on that. I could be wrong on that. So it may have had a different extent uh, exterior, but used the same interior as the other in an effort to try to not, you know, confuse people too much. But oh yeah. No. Yeah. That, that makes, that makes a lot of sense that they would use a different exterior shot and then the same interior because you know, who pays attention that much? Yeah. We do. That's who <laughs> man. So uh, of course, uh, ragdoll is, he's out on his mission. We, we also get, you know, a lot, a lot of stuff going on with the B team this episode, which is, which oh, is yeah. really, really solid. So uh, Ralph, AKA baby giraffe uh, gets a, a wonderful legit hero moment in this where he actually gets a chance to go up against uh, ragdoll, which makes a ton of sense because the power set is very similar. Oh yeah. I mean, I was thinking that that was going to be something that would happen earlier in the episode and that we'd see more of it. Um, just because that would be really neat to see those two power sets being so similar, kind of clashing with one another. But, uh, unfortunately it was just at the end and we didn't really kind of see the resolution of the fight. You know, I love this man. They're continuing on the baby giraffe thing. Like this just makes me very happy. Uh, with, uh, with Sherlock kind of constantly just coming, come, come John off, you know? So, so I don't know if y'all, y'all know this last season for our patrons that, that help support the show, uh, for everybody whose address we had on file, we sent them out a print of a, it was a, a, a Cisco and Wells, uh, parody of Rick and Morty where they're kind of, you know, traveling through breaches and everything. And it is funny. And I think we need to do this again this season, man. At the end of this season for our patrons, I want I want a Sherlock Wells riding a baby giraffe. <laughs> that's that's what I want. I think I think that's probably going to be the prince for this uh, for this uh, particular season. So uh, just, uh, that sounds cool. And I am excited to draw it, man. So uh, one way or the other. Yeah. Ralph actually does get a, a very legitimate hero moment, although the, he also gets kind of this. Uh, I don't exactly know how to describe it. But there's a moment where he and Sherlock kind of bump heads because they're both detectives. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's there's a redundancy that is becoming apparent, although not annoyingly so. But what are your thoughts on that? No, I, I, I don't know if it's a redundancy per se, because the, the, the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, Sherlock is way too uh, his hubris gets in the way a lot more than uh then, then is helpful. Right. And so Ray kind of provides that balance where, you know, when, when Sherlock is like, no, that's a stupid idea or whatever. And it turns out that it's actually not, uh, it's, it's Sherlock's hubris that actually impedes them more than Ralph's, I guess, lesser detective skills, I guess you should say. And, uh, I, I think it's actually kind of a nice dichotomy between the two. You have this like super detective guy who's very arrogant and, uh, doesn't necessarily think everything's a great idea. And then you have the novice guy who's kind of trying to prove himself. And so therefore his ideas are uh, a little bit more useful sometimes, even though, you know, to Sherlock's dismay, uh, when they actually prove to be right. And so it, it it's, it's, a it's a differing viewpoint, I think. And that's why, that's why I like the, the, 
the dynamic between those two characters. Yeah, definitely, man. I, it 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 works. It works. I think they do kind of bring out the 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 best in both in terms of the most enjoyable to watch in both. Uh, of course, yeah. they are on the case, man. We get a legitimate, full-on Caitlin-esque episode, or at least she gets a legitimate story this episode, with the diving deeper into uh, her dad and where her dad is. We also get a continuation of this code language that they used. Yeah, that was kind of neat to see. I was wondering if they were going <laughs> to... At the beginning of the episode, when Caitlin said that uh, my dad hasn't left me any more messages, so I'm like, oh, okay, well, I guess the code language is done. But apparently not. So uh, we're still seeing that, and that's kind of neat to see. It's uh, it, Sometimes they have those little MacGuffin-y kind of things, and they just kind of fall by the wayside. But it's 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 interesting to see they're still going with that. So I'm wondering if there's going to be more science clues with different elements coming in the future. All right. I hate to criticize because honestly, like overall, this season has been my favorite thus far. And, and you know, like I, I it's long overdue that we finally get a good Caitlin story. And this is a good Caitlin story. But you said MacGuffin. And I think that's that's right to the extreme. Like this whole like he left me messages here, 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 here type deal. Like how would he even know that she would even be there to even do that? You know what I mean? Like. Did he really leave this? It, it, it seems like a leap to get to the place where he's legitimately leaving this kind of breadcrumb trail to where he's at. Well, right. It, it's, you know, it's a classic conundrum in any of those kind of situations where it's like if I leave a trail of clues and each clue depends on the clue before it and you find the fifth clue, what do you do? Like you find the right. fifth clue first and then you're kind of screwed. So <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, yeah, you know, it, but that's, that's exactly what it is. It's just a MacGuffin. It's, it's a, it's to move the plot along. And, uh, that's, that's all I'm really kind of, I'm not, you know, putting any sort of, uh, uh, faith or anything into this. It's just, it's just a MacGuffin, is this, but it's uh, nice. Is this a, it's a CW show. Don't think about it too hard type of thing. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Exactly. Exactly. You know, like the, uh, like, like the meta tech that, that bothered me earlier, but you know what? It hasn't bothered me since. And, and that's what I, that's one thing I wanted to say about this. Uh, this, you know, that, that was a really kind of irritating for them to say that. And, uh, it was the wow. Which episode was? Oh, it was last episode, I think. With the cell phone. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Because it was two weeks ago. My brain is. I know warped. it throws you off a little <laughs> bit because we were off last week. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, and then this guy was crushed by a piece of the satellite to make him all flat. But uh, it, it's it's funny how fast that kind of taste will wash out of your mouth, and so that's not a bother for me anymore. So it's just you know you gotta you gotta just gotta roll with the punches sometimes. Okay, I've been good. I'm glad you're open up to the meta tech. Hey, speaking of tech that does meta like things, uh, the portal opening device, I, I forgot what they called it. Um, Wells broke it. Why did Wells break that? What was he doing? Uh, because it was it would have been a huge plot hole if they didn't use it. Okay, all right. So that's <laughs> that's what I, I thought as well. But I've seen this discussion on Twitter about like, oh, Wells is like sabotaging them. And I was like, I didn't see it that way. I, I, I saw it from that kind of... You know, they're, they're trying to force the characters to be in a scenario that takes off the A-listers, takes off, you know, the speedsters, takes off the hero, you know, takes off Cisco, like whoever their their power players are, they're removing them so that the mere mortals and Ralph have to kind of figure out what to do next. And so I, that's the way I saw that. But I was curious if you kind of subscribe to the idea that this is some sort of, you know, deep, dark, you know, you know no. once again, evil wells type scenario. No, absolutely not. I, I think that was clearly just a means for them to identify and put out in front of the audience 
what would have been a plot hole had they ignored it. And I'm really glad they did that because like you said, it gets the mortals into the into the mix of things and into play. And I think that's a lot, uh, especially with what we're seeing with Cisco with his powers being kind of you know, pushed to the wayside, we're going to have to uh, rely less on him and more on his mind, less on his powers in order to uh, to move forward with his character, right? Yeah. We're kind of like season one Cisco, so that's going to be really interesting. Well, it's been a little bit different though, right? Because not only he, he is depowered, but he's not unpowered. You know what I mean? Like his he can use his powers, but at, at a cost. And it was nice yeah. to see him do that for Caitlin. And you know, their kind of sibling relationship has been a hallmark of the show since even before the series began. We were introduced to both of them in an episode of Arrow before The Flash even launched. And so, you know, the, this kind of relationship between the two is is a personal one and, and near and dear to the hearts of many of us who've been watching the show for so long. And so for them to get this moment was really, really special. And to kind of rekindle that that relationship uh, was was really sweet. But man, what do you yeah. think is up with Cisco? I mean, do you think that he is going to be benched pretty much this entire season so that Caitlin's uh, story can kind of take a little bit more of a front seat? Hmm. I mean, I don't know necessarily that he'll be benched just because now he has control of DeVos satellites. I think that he's going to have a purpose on the team as like the guy in the chair kind of oh, thing. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he always uh, has. Yeah, and, and he's always kind of been in that context. But I think what, what's going to happen is, you know, because of his friendship with Caitlin, he's going to take um, more of a role in, in her story, maybe. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and I think there, there there's some mentorship possibilities there for Caitlin to Cisco because Caitlin mentions how when she lost Killer Snow that she was devastated, and but she's still here. And so I think Cisco is going to be struggling through that for a little bit. And so there's an opportunity for them to kind of bond and for Caitlin to sort of like – show him how she coped with the loss of her powers so that he can cope Ooh, with it. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And so th- there's definitely potential to, to further both of their storylines by their interaction on that level. So I don't necessarily see him getting benched per se. I just think him seeing, uh, or, or I see him taking up a different role. Yeah. Well, or, or returning to that, that season one role. Cause I mean, a lot yeah. of this has been people returning to, you know, they're, they're more classic iterations of when, I mean, you know, I mean, you have to kind of acknowledge it of when the show had higher ratings. So to some extent <laughs> that makes some sense. Also with Iris no longer being, you know, the, the quote unquote guy in the chair, like in her going back to her reporting roots, we do need somebody to facilitate that role. And Cisco makes a lot of sense. Um, and by the way, when I mentioned the idea of him being benched so that Caitlin's story has some, has some time to shine, I don't think that's a bad thing. Like Caitlin, no. Caitlin has been benched for the last two and a half seasons. Like I, I think there actually is, uh, a validity to certain characters being in the spotlight and getting kind of their time to get their story and then kind of stepping aside. And Cisco has had a ton of development over the last couple of seasons. So from that standpoint, I would not be opposed to that scenario, but I do think you're right. I think that he'll be a strong guy in the chair. Uh, and we also will probably unpack a lot with what's going on with, um, with how the blade impacted him in more ways potentially than one. Uh, spe- yeah. Speaking of characters who have been kind of on the on the sidelines, but really got a moment to shine this episode, man, Grandma Cecile, uh, <laughs> dude, I you know I've always I've always kind of been like, oh yeah, Cecile, and and Cecile's there, and you know we love Cecile, but like you know a lot of times in terms of the the kind of sideline players, it almost feels like she's on the sidelines of the sidelines more often than not, and man, I loved I loved her this episode. 
Oh yeah, no, she was great. The, Papa Joe is definitely rubbing off on her, and I and, and this is this I is great I don't too. Know that I would say that. I don't even know that I would say that, man. I think that that she like because she's a very different character than Papa Joe. I don't know that Papa Joe would have handled that scenario the same way that she she would have. Um, you know, See, what I mean? I'm curious. I'm curious, right? Because like, on one hand, I think that uh, had you know, Papa Joe not had to take the medical leave from the show that he would have taken that role. And since he was on medical leave, they gave it to Cecile. And I'm wondering if it would have been written differently or written the same, but I, I don't know. I don't know. But like, I I really like how she presented the information to, uh, to Nora. And I thought that, I don't know, it kind of felt like a Papa Joe sort of way to me. Well, she facilitated that kind of role of being more of kind of the mentor, the kind of the, uh, you know, the human elements, the, the, the mortal element in the midst of all the uh, crazy, uh, crazy shenanigans that are going on. I, you know, the thing that I love, though, is that for all of us, she has been kind of a late introduction into the family unit. Right. Like, she, yeah, she was, uh, you know, she was dating Joe and then she, and they got married. Now they're having a kid like like she has very much, you know, I, I've never gotten the sense that Iris really saw her as a mom. Or Barry, like I don't, I don't get the sense that either of them have really seen her in that way. She's always just been, you know, oh Joe's girlfriend, or oh now she's Joe's wife. You know, there's not been that same kind of family connection. But it's different for Nora, and this is what I love about this, is because Nora obviously is born so much later into the timeline that by the time that she is born, like Cecile is very much part of the family, and she's the only grandmother on that. Well, no, the only grandmother that Nora would will have ever known would ever have that kind of connection with. And so like, there's this really strong family bond that's there, even though they're not necessarily related, you know, biologically. And, uh, you know, for me, man, this, this, I, this connected a lot with me because my, my, my grandmother on my mom's side, uh, is actually not my biological grandmother. She married my grandfather well before I was born, like back when my mom was a teenager. And so, but at the same time, I've always had this really strong connection with her and she's always been very special to me. Uh, and I've never seen her as anything other than just my grandmother. You know what I mean? So yeah, no, same thing. Same thing uh, with my grandmother on my dad's side, and it's, she's just always been Granny Dot. You know, so. And I love how she was like, you know, uh, wait, what was that word you used? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. You're not about to cuss out your mom. <laughs> that was great, man. Cecile for yeah. the win. You know, I will say you mentioned kind of the Papa Joe connection, and I think there is one thing that that is probably felt here. And we've seen this all season, but uh, Papa Joe, because the actors had to kind of take a take a step back with some medical issues and everything else, it actually has provided an opportunity here for Cecile to maybe facilitate a similar role, although albeit a different one. Uh, and I, I loved that this episode. I thought it was great. Oh yeah, yeah. I think that's going to be a really a really neat. Uh uh, we get to see, uh, you know, because Papa Joe is is super dad, and we'll see if Mama Cecile is super mom. I see super grandmom right now. Super grandmom, yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But we got a super mom too, man, in this episode as well. Like, so Barry and Iris and Nora have, you know, they left last episode with a lot of things they needed to work out. There was a lot of issues in their relationship, and um, you know, they were kind of coming closer to the truth. And in fact, last episode we learned the truth that Iris had dampened. Uh, Nora's powers since uh, from an early age and hidden the fact that she was a speedster up until very recently in Nora's personal timeline. Uh, Now, you know, this revelation kind of coming to the table and her feeling like her entire family is siding against her has kind of pushed her to the edges. And so getting a chance to see Iris through a different light and I think also kind of getting a moment to 
really kind of connect with who her mom is and and not who she could be, right? Not not who she was, but who she could be. Um was really was really, you know, a, a big defining moment, not just for Nora, but also for Iris as well. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, this is like that's what Barry told her basically was like, you know what? You're not who you are in 30 years. You are who you are now. And you show Nora that and that's what's going to, you know, allow you to break through with her. And I, you know, that was like that was really important to kind of show Nora who she is now and not harp on the fact that she won't like you later. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you know, and, and you know, I, I love that last week we saw everybody supported Iris in, in her decisions. We've seen a continuation of that this week as well. And again, like, you know, I, I kind of equate it to I've got a three year old. I can't even imagine my three-year-old with superpowers, especially if there's no one else with superpowers to kind of help deal with this. So I, I think that initially, I, I, I still maintain that I think Iris is probably in the right, based on all the information that we have right now, uh, for doing what she did early on, but she was probably in the wrong for hiding that fact from Nora. Uh, and I think that Iris is kind of coming to that same conclusion, right, in this episode. Yeah, I feel like it. But then again, there, there's a little a little twinge of kind of nefariousness, if you will, uh, about uh, Iris's decision. And that was that Nora was off limits on asking Iris about anything from her past. I thought that was kind of weird. Like that didn't feel like Iris at all. And so I'm wondering if, if there is some kind of event that's going to uh, happen that would make Iris make the bad decision like you said to not tell her that the power dampening you know uh piece of technology was in there interesting yeah i mean and, and we can we will definitely see but i mean one way or the other there, there was kind of a, a very strong family moment throughout this this was also kind of an emotional journey that iris has been going on with trying to deal with why her daughter doesn't have this connection with her and as that information becomes more available she is processing this and it's giving her realizations. She also has one of the strongest hero moments, I think, in the entire series for her when she dived off the roof to save Barry. And immediately I thought, Iris, what are you doing? Like, you know, I, I get the whole <laughs> panic and rash decision type situation. Like, you know, if, if, if my loved one was, was falling off the, the roof, I might do something similar. But at the same time, I probably wouldn't because I don't want to die. But then that's when I realized what she was doing. I was like, oh, okay, no, this is actually... This is extremely not stupid and very heroic. Yes, it was insanely risky, and Bell's about to tear it apart with the science. But before he does that, before Bell tears apart with the science, I think it was a big character moment, and like she was like a boss. And I loved how like everybody reacted to that too. And she was like, "Yeah, I, I don't know, I just did it." And it was just, oh man, it was so good. It was so natural, and that's what I've loved about their relationships. All the relationships on this show, this season especially, is they've all felt so very natural. So excellent, excellent episode, excellent performance. But Bell, tear apart why the why the hero moment doesn't count because you you love science and you hate stories. No, it, it's not. It's not that the hero moment doesn't count. I, I agree with everything that you said about it. It's just that, that like that's it's it's jumping into that unknown. where like she doesn't. I mean, has she skydived? Like skydiven? Skydiven? Sky skydived? Go skydived? In, go into your whole reverse flash thing from season, our Zoom thing from season two or whatever. You you had this whole yeah. Thing. Okay, so so there. Well, that that was my first thing, but you know, I was thinking about this, and it's like, well, have you ever done like indoor skydiving or actually sky skydived before? I have not. Okay, so my girlfriend took me indoor skydiving on my birthday uh, this year, and it was freaking amazing. But let me tell you how in, just 
extremely hard it is to like control yourself in that situation. Now I'm going to guess that just Iris is a base jumper. And so she, she is very well versed in that. So that's fine. I'm going to, I'm going to just hand ring that away. That's gone. Um, cause Iris is a base jumper. But my problem with this one is, is that since season one, we've established that speedsters falling in free fall, they, they don't have, you know, they can, they can move their arms fast and things like that, but you know, it, 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 it creates a level playing field, right? There's nothing for them to run off of. There's nothing for them to push off of because they're in free fall. And let's face it, Barry was in free fall. So as soon as those gloves came off, I would have liked to have seen them do something where he grabs her and like does the, the, the handy tornado thing. And they, and they come down to the ground safely like that, that would have been fine in my eyes. And I'd had no problems with that, but We've established all the way back to season one that one of the ways to neutralize the speedster speed is to get him in free fall. And Barry was in free fall. And that's all I got to say about that. Uh, Bell, the speed force works in mysterious ways. And <laughs> as we have seen canonically on this show, uh, it is it is inconsistent at times. And and that's part of the, the living speed force, my friend. As you recall, at one point in Barry's development, when he when he was holding somebody, he would run so fast that their tops would burn off. Uh, maybe the speed force would only do this to Felicity. Maybe it happened to everybody. Who knows? But it certainly happened to Felicity and it has never happened to anybody else. So from that standpoint, it's it's, That's because Barry got better at extending the speed force around the people he's running with to protect them well, in the maybe, same way that the speed force protects him. Maybe that's what happened here. Uh, then why wouldn't Reverse Flash know that? His most, you know, worstest enemy ever. Because Reverse Flash uh, didn't know because the speed force is the one making the changes, not not Barry, not training. There's, there's a there's a mystical. But Barry is the Speed Force. No, there's a mystical element here. Even even the Reverse Flash, with all his future knowledge, does not fully understand. He is as a he as as a cultist quoting a scripture. He he knows it, but he's not of it, man. Like I'm, I'm telling you, am I am I am I am I stretching this enough? Did, did it fit? Yes. And and also to point out what uh, J T Lambert in the chat said, uh, they must have fallen from like ten thousand feet for, for them to be in free fall for the eight seconds that they were. Yeah, because but yeah, whatever, whatever. Big... I don't know. It it was still a great like it was it was an awesome moment for uh, for Iris and I and I thought that was really really cool and just the fact that she trusts herself and Barry so much that she'd be willing to do that just speaks, you know, volumes about her character. So my little, you know, uh, uh, intricacies about it behind or beside, it was still a great moment, but like, come on flash writers. It's like consult with me just for, for like a minute when you, <laughs> when you want to write these ridiculous things. <laughs> all right. All right. Look for me, it's always story over science. That being said, unless it replies to time travel. That's the one area that I do want and long for consistency. And we need to talk about time travel this episode because Iris had a huge revelation. She got some big major character development that honestly, likely she would not have if not for the conversations and the consequences and the things that are going around Nora. And while it has been explained, Bell, that Nora is existing in the timeline but is not doing so in such a crucial way that everything's being irreparably damaged... Her personal timeline, Nora's personal timeline, has definitely been impacted by the events of this episode. And that's going to bring us to this week's Speedster Speculation. All right, Bell, question. There's, there's so many different ways to actually unpack this. Is Nora's original timeline that she is from, is that still intact? Um, I don't know. 
I'm because the thing is, we you just talked about it: consistency in timeline, consistency in science, and consistency in previous things on the show. Uh, it, it's it's very important to try to figure these things out. And so, is this a Back to the Future style timeline where she like her future is uh, the 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 you know Biff slash Trump, nineteen eighty five, right? And she's right now in nineteen fifty five. And but she she doesn't have a picture from the future, right? That's that's I mean I I, I guess I guess the picture that she would have would be the, mm, newspaper, the newspaper, and that would be kind yeah, of the the, the like, way to see things are, are changing. Uh, so I don't know. I it, I feel like her timeline is just hosed. Well, I, I wouldn't say that it's hosed, because um, I mean like that's that's the thing, right? In many respects, she is walking a similar path that Eobard walked before. Right, Eobard is active in season one. Eobard was actively making changes to the timeline. That was true. He was doing so in, in an effort to both accomplish his goals, but also secure his home timeline so that he would have a time to return to. So I like that you made the Back to the Future reference, right? Because Marty McFly, when he went Back to the Future, he didn't like. It's not like his backstory changed. It did in that timeline. But his personal backstory did not change. He still has the childhood he had. He just returned to a new time, an updated timeline where uh, that version of him would have had a different back, uh, backstory and would have had a different childhood and, in fact, did have a different childhood. He just didn't experience it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So when Nora goes back, is she going to be, you know, is Iris going to be this, like, loving, open mother? And we'll, we'll presume that Barry survives and she goes back to that. She has the memories of her, quote, bad childhood. But she goes back to a future that is, quote, fixed and that is good. Uh, kind of like Marty goes back and he's got the truck and Biff's, a, you know, a shoeshine guy and his dad's a famous author and his, you know, uncle's not in prison and all these kinds of things. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's the, I feel like that's kind of the, where we're going here with this is that. What's happening here isn't warping things in a, in a way to uh, like, you know, force the, 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 you know, the black flash or like the time demon things to come and, you know, corral her and fix stuff. But it's 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 going to change the future that she returns to. OK. All right, I mean, all right. the, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I see that. I, I see that. I, I see that as a very real possibility. And I think that actually fits into what they've established so far. Um, although, you know, there, there have been different ways in which, you know, they, they've told flash stories and speedsters and time travelers in other media. I mean, there's this, this concept of if a speedster from the future changes things irrevocably in the present, they can still exist in the present without having to go full, you know, uh, being torn apart. However, they can never return back to their original time because it's a paradox. So yeah. there is also a possibility that we could see Nora stranded here indefinitely. And we never actually get a chance. Like maybe, maybe, Bell, we end up in a scenario that's very much like a reboot season three, where there's like an older <laughs> version of her and a younger version of her in the future. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, I, I was thinking that same thing, that, that that could be a possibility to keep. Because, you know, once this season is over, what's going to happen to Nora? Is she going to return to the future? Is she, that character going to be gone? Or is it going to be a situation like you just said, where she can't turn uh, return to her timeline because her timeline doesn't exist anymore. And so she'll be there to help raise herself with her parents <laughs> in the new future right. that she's just created. So, all right. So I, I kind of, I know what I want, but I know it makes sense. Like I want Nora to stay here. I want that yes. to be the scenario. Like I want there to be that, you know, 
yes, in the near future, there are actually like two Noras, the adult Nora and the child Nora. And so she can, you know, essentially raise herself from that standpoint. Like, I think, I think that that's, that's a cool concept and yes, it's all timey wimey, but I kind of love that. Here's what I know makes sense though. Because of who that character is and the arc that she's on, the conclusion of that arc is her returning back to the future a la at the end of that movie and seeing an older Barry and like who's probably still alive because of the events of this season and, and an older Iris who she has this immediate emotional connection to. You know what I mean? Like I, I disagree. I think that, well, I, what I'm saying is I, I'm not saying I want that to happen. I just think that's the natural conclusion to her story. I, no, no, no. I no, and this is why we're talking about futures. Uh, uh, the, the reason why speedsters can't return to their timeline is because of a paradox, right? Because their timeline doesn't exist. Well, if they save Barry, her timeline doesn't exist because in that future, the future that she is from, Barry disappeared. If Barry does not disappear, how can she go mm, back? I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I mean, I would say it's not even just about you know because Barry did X, then she would never do Y to go back. I would argue that Barry. Just like Barry not disappearing for 25 years, the flash actually existing during that time uh, would indicate that the, the timeline as a whole has been impacted in such a way that she should go full on Eobard being ripped apart. You know what I mean? Like, like that would be the conclusion there because it's not, Oh no, you know, this is fine. It's little changes. It's no big deal. Well, the crisis being averted and Barry not being destroyed seems like something so powerful that would wipe her out from existence. Yeah, that would kind of change everybody's timeline, wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I'm not saying they wouldn't do that, but I am saying if they do that, that contradicts a lot of what I have understood thus far to be the rules of time travel in this show, which they have contradicted themselves before, and every single time <laughs> they've done that, we have reincorporated it into our understanding of the way it works. So I'm very forgiving from that. I just... I just want them to be consistency based on what we have instead of having to do uh, mental gymnastics to make it work. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. And uh, (laughs) I I agree there. I think, I don't know though, you know, it it could be one of those things where perhaps this event, while it seems important, very dying or disappearing in a crisis, maybe it's not. No, that's, it's huge. (laughs) It's huge. Yeah. Yeah. I know. But uh, yeah, it's, it's fun to think. We'll see. We'll see what happens though. It'll be an interesting, you know, season end here because yeah there, there's huge ramifications if they end up saving barry so yeah who knows yeah all right all right well good deal good deal that's our speculation but we want to hear from you what do you think about nora's personal timeline is it toast what could this mean uh or is everything still intact and everything's fine let us know what you think and uh yeah thank you for doing that hey guys this is chad Rogan, and you are listening to flash tv talk your thoughts your comments Listener feedback. Listener feedback, man. We got some great listener feedback in from Nora, who writes in saying that she loved uh, seeing the American Idol guy playing the villain. He's way cool. And that she was, uh, she thought it was cool that she knew who that was. So uh, very cool. And yes, a lot of uh, creepy villains for this particular episode. Oh, yeah. Also, we got an iTunes review. What did uh, uh, Brett Room say? Uh, They wrote great flash podcast. Excellent work on a weekly basis. Thanks, guys. Yeah, we do. We do. Well, our thank best. you, Brett. Uh, we, we appreciate that. We also got uh, Shannon Bennett in the chat uh, tonight saying Ragdoll really has been my favorite villain to date. He was just so cool and creepy. Uh, JT Lambert saying crossover rogue invasion? Question mark. I don't know if my inflo- imp- <laughs> emphasis came through with my voice being completely <laughs> shot. 
Um, yeah, so great, great feedback, guys. Love this so much. By the way, uh, you know, every single time we get a multiple of 10 iTunes reviews, we give away a free digital comic. And guess what, Bell? What? We hit a multiple of 10. Oh, nice. Yeah. I, I, our show notes are a little bit behind. It says, oh, no, three of them, 200. Okay, never mind. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't read the notes. Those are never updated. No, my friend, <laughs> we have a winner this week. So are you ready, Bell? Give him a drum, 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 drum. Drum, 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 All right. And the winner is Rochester Computer Guy. Hey, there you go. Rochester Computer Guy. Hit us up on Twitter and or like. Yeah, whatever or, means necessary. Yeah. Just whatever whatever makes the most sense for you. We'll get you set up. Uh, that Thank you so much for writing this review. And hey, you too could potentially win a free digital comic. Uh, head over to iTunes and write us a review. Every time we get a multiple of 10, we declare a winner just like we just did. Uh, and Bell, um, also we got to make mention, of course, we mentioned it during the show, but uh, patreon.com slash TV talk is the place to go to support the show. At the end of this season, we will be giving away uh, some digital, not digital, some actual physical prints mailed to your house of... Uh, Sherlock Wells riding a baby giraffe. Yes, you want that. In fact, you want it so bad that you want to help make the show happen by heading over to patreon.com slash TV talk. Y'all are awesome for doing that. Also, you can keep up with us throughout the week. You can follow us on Twitter at flash TV talk or our personal accounts. I'm at the real Bo York and bell is at ring that bell. But if 280 characters isn't enough to express your love for our show, feel free to email us at flash at podastery.com. That's P-O-D-A-S-T-E-R-Y dot com. And you can tune in live every single week at facebook.com slash flash TV talk for the live show where you can be part of the chat, see what's going down, and uh, see if you can throw us off with your crazy references, which nobody did tonight. Thank you very much for that. And as always, special thanks to Charlie Bach who provides our music. Uh, you can check out the rest of his awesome stuff at soundcloud.com slash Charlie Bach. And that's going to do it for us for this week. But don't worry, we'll be back in a flash.